3: I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin.
2: And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network.
4: Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and it is wonderful to have you tuning into our podcast. Today, we are going to cover domestic terrorists. I'm kidding sort of but in government mainly the fbi some would consider my guest today on the domestic terror watch list and if you're asking why that's simply because he helps parents advocate for their own kids and that sometimes involves attending school board meetings and speaking out in public and as many of you know the biden administration has listed parents who are willing to do this as domestic terrorists, which can be a huge deterrent to anybody speaking out when it comes to something that isn't right with their kids or school. It's just sometimes it's hard to do that, and that's why my guest today would say, parents need to make courage a habit. Alvin Louie is the president of Courage is a Habit, and he helps guide people through the process of essentially protecting their own children. Alvin, welcome to the podcast.
5: Thank you very much, tutors. so great to see you, and I'm so happy to be here. But yes, I am a domestic terrorist for the (laughs) high crime of teaching parents that maybe you shouldn't sexualize your children at school. And
4: I think this is something that we, to me, it was shocking to me when this started to all come out a few years ago. And then the fact that you have the federal government trying to shut it down. Tell us a little bit about Courage is a Habit, because when I first talked to you, I I really understood that name, Courage is a Habit, because... It's really hard to stand up to the school system, especially when you have a lot of parents who aren't there yet, and and you are not only standing up to the school system in some cases, but also other parents who are saying, you know, you're not you're not being friendly, you're not being nice, but you've created tools for parents who say, eh, something seems a little off, I need to do something.
5: Yeah, so the name really came about by accident um, when I was going around speaking to parent groups. Um, to kind of help them understand it uh, before I had started courage as a habit I would always start off my talk by saying why do you think you have to come to an event to hear a stranger tell you to defend your children parents have been to their children for eons they cross rivers they cross deserts just to give their children a, a shot at having a, a better life so what and, and each of you would run into a burning building Grandchildren or children to save your grandchildren or or child if you had to even if it risked your life So what makes this time so special that someone can point a finger at your face call you a bigot or a Transphobe homophobe and then you stand down. Why are those words so magical and I would remind them That's because you've made fear a habit over time You kept letting your kindness get weaponized against you and you kept moving that goalpost back and back and back And then now they're coming after your children in a government institution for 7 hours a day, 12 years, and you can't fight back because you've made fear a habit.
4: I think that so I think that's something where people have somewhat gotten confused because I see a lot of people saying anytime I see something that I don't like. I mean, we're having a lot of a lot of these especially this month. We're in Pride month, so we mm-hmm. see a lot of drag shows and mm-hmm. family-friendly drag shows. And, you know, there's only I mean, you can fight back against that as a community if that's if you don't like that. But these are public spaces. These are public events. Right. It's different than the government putting this into your school. And that's what I think we we really need to differentiate here when you have parents talking about going to a school, mm-hmm. these are your tax dollars. These are right. choices that the government is making with your tax dollars to put maybe books in your school mm-hmm. that are pornographic. What Tell us a little bit about what some of your parents have fought back against and why it's different to do that in a setting where your taxpayer dollars are the ones supporting these behaviors.
2: Absolutely.
5: One of the biggest things that we found is the school, school counselors and social workers. So right now, schools, uh, all 50 states, and again, I know some of your listeners might be thinking, no, not in my school. No, yes, it is in your school as well. Um, it's a, a program called Social Emotional Learning, or SEL, mm-hmm. as we call it, SEL. And it is a Trojan horse disguised as mental health. And so they use the mental health excuse to pump billions of dollars into the public school system but it hires school counselors and social workers and they're trained into pushing this political and sexual indoctrination so you remember when we're all going to school there's that one wonderful guidance counselor that you saw maybe one time in the four years in high school where right. they're all long gone they're all long gone the school counselors and social workers are now completely ideologically captured and so what we found is that they push this social contagion both from the you know transgender ideology the critical race theory culture um and, and that's what we found. And so even the things like the pornography and books and things, it's all coming in under the idea of mental health, representation, inclusion. And so they weaponize these words and they can or we call it, they contaminate these words so that really kind hearted people go, Yeah, of course I want that, not well, really understanding. I, but I do
4: think I, I think that I mean, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about we talk about mental health all the time especially when we have we see some of these school shootings we say gosh it's a, we have a mental health problem i mean even just earlier a few days ago i was talking to a mother who said my child ended up having such a hard time through the pandemic that there was a lot of weight gain. Now there's the struggle from that, and there's just an unhealthy mental image. I mean, we have a lot of things that have happened in the last few years that have affected girls. Social media, we have a lot of kids that are looking at, we have an increase in attempted suicides and suicides. So how do you differentiate? Because as a parent, I hear... The school is doing something about mental health and you're right. I go, good. Thank goodness. We need that.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of introduce a concept here that we call organic vulnerability versus synthetic vulnerability. Okay. And so I kind of want to give everybody an understanding of how they get this, what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. So organic vulnerability versus synthetic vulnerability. Organic vulnerabilities are things where everybody understands that a child cannot decide who they're born into so every parent whether you're a parent or not you want you don't want any child to feel abused neglected nobody wants that organic vulnerabilities are things like poverty violence you're born into a drug addicted family father's in jail uh accident you lose both your parents one of your parents illness you have uh one of your siblings is born very ill so now you're neglected those things are organic vulnerabilities. And thankfully in America, both in a school and on a local level, charities and churches and things of that nature, we've always tried to wrap our arms around kids with organic vulnerabilities, you know, your free lunches, your after school programs, those kind of things. That's what people think about when they say, when they think mental health, helping kids who need help. Mm-hmm. What SELs brought in is what we call synthetic vulnerabilities. Things like making a child believe that their skin color determines if they can do well or not, the transgender social contagion, uh, the you know even things like climateism, climate changeism, activism, making sucking the hope out of children. When you do that, you con- what we we create what you call synthetic vulnerabilities, and then what the schools does after they create the synthetic vulnerability is they do these surveys. Their social-emotional learning surveys is data mining. Then they survey these children and go, oh, evidence-based, data-driven. Research shows that kids are doing worse than ever. But what they do is they take the kids who are that, that are from the synthetic vulnerabilities, they move it over to the organic vulnerabilities, and they present the whole ball to parents and go, look at all these kids who need help. And of course, good parents go, yes, put more money in mental health, not understanding that the very programs that they co-sign are actually bringing in policies that actually jack up synthetic vulnerabilities. And then they, well, h- they, then they go through that cycle. Thing. I mean,
4: what you're saying to me right now mm-hmm. gives me anxiety listening yeah. to this, you know, so isn't we that have creating... solutions, but yes, that's the, but I mean, if, uh, if you have a school coming in and saying these are all pushing problems on kids, kids aren't really, I mean, the idea that we've had our whole existence was problems are for adults, let's get the kids into a a stress-free environment to learn so they're prepared for actual problems. I mean, these are problems that they can't actually do anything about. When you talk about climate change, this is not something that a child can do something about. So are you saying that our counselors are bringing anxiety into our schools and instead of helping with mental health, they're hurting?
5: Absolutely, because what they're doing is that they're putting stress on children where we call unproductive stress. Because as you know, as parents, it's good to push your children, right? You want to push them a little bit beyond their capabilities. Maybe they take on that recital that they're probably not quite ready for, but you want them to work at it, or that science project, or that book that they may be just a little higher. That's that stress that allows them to individually push themselves. What the schools are doing today through social-emotional learning is that they're putting stress on kids where they literally cannot do anything about it. Even if you Mm -hmm. believe there's a problem, let's say climate change or police brutality, whatever your opinion about those things are, even if you can make an argument that there is some level of problem, kids can't do anything about it. So what they do is they weaponize a child's empathy because all children are very empathetic and they weaponize that. And because you can't do anything about it is hopeless stress. And that's what drives the mental issues. At the end of the day, school should not be in the mental health game at all. That's the problem. You shouldn't be serving children. You shouldn't be data mining kids. You shouldn't be in that. Because as a parent, like yourself, every time you send a child to a dentist or pick a violin coach or send them into a, a summer program, as parents, what do we do? We vet it. We read reviews. We get referrals from friends and family before we put our children in that. These school counselors and social yeah. workers, nobody's vetting any of
3: them.
4: Yeah, I agree. But I think that today there's a kind of expectance that you're going to just be given that, you know, your kids are going someplace eight hours a day. A lot of, a lot of parents are like, okay, I want you to see this. And I think in the past yeah. it used to be that if we saw some sort of a mental illness, if you saw a child that was going through some sort of an eating disorder or something right. the school would contact mom and dad, right. the mom and dad really have to be very involved mm-hmm. and take the child to a therapist or or be involved from a medical perspective, but is it that today we're so used to everything is so busy? I mean, it really is. Most families have two parents working. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we, we believe that the school should be providing these things. So how do, you, how do you teach parents this might actually not be helping your kid and then to fight back in this busy world?
5: Well, I think one of the things we try to do is we try to get parents to see the longer game because when you're i'll give you an example one of the things that uh, it's already being piloted so it's not coming it's already here but it's being piloted in, in several states it's called community schools or they might hide it into something called whole child so if you go to your schools and yes. you type in whole child so here's how they sell it and this is a great example of, of how what yours is saying they'll say certain families uh, have a hard time, whether it be single mothers or low income families, they can't take the child to the dentist and then get them to school at the same time because of different logistics. So how about we bring in the dentist van? Wouldn't that be great? Then the child can walk outside, get their teeth cleaned and checked, go right back to school, don't miss anything. Now, if I say that in a vacuum, most parents, even if they don't need that service would go, absolutely, because we want to help the families who need help. Again, organic vulnerabilities. Well, the community schools what they don't tell you. Is that behind that dentist van will be the planned parenthood van the abortion van the puberty blocker van and eventually the transgender surgery van that's how they get these things in there by appealing to organic vulnerabilities and appealing to people who need help so one of the things we want to show parents is that there is a long game to this and the the people that are pushing this they don't mean they don't have the same goals that you do they don't want they you want your child to be better than you. You want your child to be smarter than you, more educated than you, be more financially successful than you. But they want your child to be revolutionist. They want them to march, they want them to to tear down the American system. That's the goal. That's why there's such a separation. I'll give you an example on a bill. California in April just passed AB 665. I think it's 8665. It's 665. And it says that Now in California, a 12-year-old, okay, a 12-year-old can now be taken from the parents by school counselor or anybody and put into foster care for mental health treatments. Even if, and here's the if, here's the if, even if there is no evidence of abuse. So that 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 was already set up in schools to say a 12 year old can be taken from parents if the counselors deem parents abusive and unsafe. But I mean,
4: I I don't think that Michigan is that far off because I took my daughter to the doctor and they said, oh, this is something weird. It seems as though it came from the health department. I talked to some of our legislators. They said, we we didn't pass a bill like that. But in the past six months, something came through to them, Mm -hmm. maybe from HHS Mm -hmm. saying your your child no longer you no longer have any domain over your child's health after 11 years old they have to sign you over as a medical proxy so my daughter so the doctor explained this to her she said your mom you have to sign this if you want your mom to be in your doctor's appointments if you want your mom to keep making your doctor's appointments but if you don't want mom to know anything about them you don't have to sign her over as medical proxy. And if you do sign her over, but at some point you want to come in here and have a, an appointment that mom doesn't know about, you can we can tear this up and mom no longer gets that's the right. choice. Right. How crazy is that?
5: And that's for the medical records. And, and, and certain treatments. and. But you know,
4: I see that yeah. going to, to school every Absolutely. public. I mean, I just see the, the trajectory here.
5: Exactly so. right. And that's the word is trajectory. We want to be able to help parents understand that what you're seeing today wasn't what it was five years ago and will not be what it is three years from now or even two years from now.
4: Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast.
2: Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession.
1: But
3: the problem
2: is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent
5: collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often.
2: Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: As a mom, I cannot... I think about how my daughter is turning 14 next week. It, I think about how young she is, you know, I look at her and I'm like, she's she still has so much to learn. And really, I, I mean, we were talking to a doctor last week and she said, I think people think that 18 is that age where you are now able to make decisions on your own. But we know in the medical community, it's in your mid twenties that your brain yeah. is developed enough to do yeah. that. 18, you can go to war, but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that yeah. you're making life changing decisions. Yeah. That's, to that's your not body.
5: necessarily right either. You're absolutely right. You want to hear something kind of funny that we accidentally exposed last year? <laughs> yeah so we were i actually forgot how we came upon this but anyway so you know insurance companies right car insurance companies everybody that has a driving age child knows the pain you have to pay a high premium
3: yeah high right premium,
5: right why because most accidents fatal accidents happen to drivers under 25 between like 17 and 25 24 why we all know why because our brains not developed. we take risk yada yada right every parent knows this so anyway, State Farm and a few other insurance companies were backed by these, uh, like, you know, Gleason and all these really radical transgender companies where they believe it's okay for a 15, 16 year old to get transgender surgeries, right? But they still charge a high premium So for parents. And so Of we, course, we, because they know the truth. The truth, right? Because every auto insurance company knows you don't mature till twenty-five. This is why they charge you a higher premium. So we put something out that we honestly didn't think that would go anywhere. We were just putting it out. We said, "Hey, this is you know, this is hypocritical, right? You're charging uh, a nineteen-year-old a high premium, a parent's nineteen-year-old driver a high premium because you believe they're not mature enough to be a safe driver, but you're supporting companies." Who believe their 15 year old sibling can make lifelong medical decisions at 15 and they're mature enough so if you really believe the latter you should drop all premiums so that kind of went off <laughs> we didn't expect that and state farm took down all their support that support page for the transgender companies seriously yeah. that's
4: i mean that's interesting because that's I the same so group that target that is supporting and yes. Yeah. That's all, all of this yeah. that blew up we find out that targets putting ge- helping to put gender queer into our schools and I think that's that's something that yeah. so this has all been blowing up and and this is something you're working on too and right. you came out with something that I think is fascinating and that is transgender trafficking and you compared sex trafficking mm-hmm. I mean I love your graphic of this. Thank you. You compared sex trafficking to transgender trafficking and there's so many there's so many things that happen in, in sex trafficking, the grooming the but it, it's, it's very similar that grooming of, we're going to ma- make a place for you to fit. We're going to give you something special that no mm-hmm. one else has. Mm-hmm. A- and then you have this ability now to really take these kids across state lines and yes. do things without their parents knowing. I mean, isn't this a, a business model that is incredibly dangerous and tempting for bad people?
5: It absolutely is. And so we'll give you the link. So in your show notes, you'll have exactly what you mentioned. So your users can download exactly what you referenced. But what we found was what we call transgender trafficking bills. And again, California had it first back in November last year, they passed something. It's called SB 107. And in short, it basically says if a child crosses state lines to California out-of-state children, uh, whoever brings them, Whoever, tell me if this sounds familiar. Anyone that brings a child over the state lines, if the parents try to get them, the state of California will not reunite the parents if the parents do not agree to transgender procedures.
4: And this can happen too. I think it's important to note that we've seen some cases where one parent is on the side of transitioning the child. The other parent is not. And so I think the main concern here is not so much that a child will be taken by someone they don't know. It's someone that they know. And this is, and the social contagion aspect of this is also an issue when you have these states doing this, because it can be an adult. It could be a classmate. It could be someone who is saying, I will help you get there. And then we're talking about sterility. We're talking about lifelong changes. We're talking about medical issues the rest of your life that they're just not being honest about in this community that calls this gender affirming care, which I can't stand that term because it's such a, again, they're great with words, but we've had people talk about this with i think it's minnesota and california and you just saw one of the groups come out and say that they are putting a a travel advisory on for these states because of this but what is the on the ground work that can be done walk us a little bit through the comparison that you make first on sex trafficking and transgender trafficking and then how you you tell parents to fight it
5: right so there's a ton of similarities and again in that link people can read that but there's a there's a lot of similarities for example one of the things that sex and we worked with a very an amazing group that does sex trafficking and so they helped us go here's what we know and then of course my organization they fight
4: sex trafficking they fight
5: sex trafficking so they okay. helped me yeah so they helped just me. you want to
4: clarify that
5: <laughs> no, they don't do sex trafficking they fight it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're not pro-sex trafficking <laughs> <laughs> right right but yeah they um they fight it and so they uh, helped me uh you know they wrote the left side of the document and uh so we of course know the right side the transgender uh social contagion because we see it and we fight it in schools and so here's a similarity something again we don't we don't deal in the sex trafficking fight so there's a lot that we learned as well um one of the things that sex traffickers do is what they call the lover boy method meaning that they come in and it's not necessarily they just you know people think of sex trafficking as they grab the girl and they throw them in a dungeon and oftentimes actually most of the time that's exactly not what happens one of the methods is they call the lover boy method where they come in and they make the girl or the boy feel special it's love bombing it's favoritism it's they shower them with gifts and they do all these things for them and then they find out their weaknesses if they're not getting along with a parent whatever their situation is and they become their whole they just become their world and if you see it and that's and that's how they get the the victim out in the sex trafficking world well, the transgender trafficking world is the same thing. This The child goes to school, they get the rainbow, f- they get the pins, they get the favoritism from the, you know, they be an ally. They get to be invited into, this, you know, clubs after school and they get the favoritism. And then they get the love bombing. Oh, you're so brave and stunning. You're a different pronoun. Oh, my God. Oh, you're getting binding? Oh, my God, this is beautiful. And so it's that same thing. Uh, another thing for a sex trafficking. A lot of attention. A lot of a lot special
4: of, attention to kids that are yes. really struggling right now. And that goes back to... Yes that social emotional learning mm-hmm. where there's all this bad in the world where do you fit where do you and fit this is this opens that door to you fit here and and i mm. mean what more awkward stage of life is there than middle school and high school right. where no one feels like they fit Nobody so isn't feels. this the perfect attack
5: it's the perfect it's a perfect setup um another thing for sex trafficking is uh they do a uh, clothing changes once they start getting the child out of the house they, the child goes right back they go back and forth until eventually they don't they don't go back home anymore but when they first start taking them out one of the things they do is they uh, the sex the the, the, the sexual uh, the trafficker will change their clothing either if they're setting them for prostitution they'll start getting them used to uh, clothes that are really revealing to set them up for prostitution or they want to change their identity so that when they're looking for the child you don't recognize them anymore oh, and wow. it cha- it, cha- it helps them mold them into a different physical identity changing hair color, changing haircut, different clothes. Well, if you think about the transgender trafficking, what do they do in school? Transition closets. You change your clothes at school, you change it back so your parents don't know. So there's a lot, ton of similarities to that. And that, not to mention the secrets. The first thing a trafficker always does is, don't tell your mom and dad, this is between you and I. We have a special connection. What are schools doing? What well, and schools that's what, exa-
4: Exactly. That's what we're hearing from schools is don't tell the parents. I mean, that was one of the main issues in michigan was that they were had come out and said we don't want parents to know that this is happening and i'm like how can you i mean this the the board of directors the school the director or the board of education came out the president came out and said we want to make sure parents are not aware that this is happening. So here you have somebody at the highest levels of education in Michigan saying that this is what they're doing. I think this is important that we go through this because from both standpoints, sex trafficking, transgender trafficking, either of those, there is no annual income that you're looking at there's no there's no target audience there's no it doesn't happen in just communities that are impoverished it doesn't happen in just rich communities there is no discrimination I guess I would say in these two areas this can happen in the highest level school it can happen in the most suffering community but these kids are targeted, and it is not, like you said, I think people need to understand this does not happen overnight. You're not waking up and going, Oh my goodness, my kid is gone. I have to chase down the person that took them. It is happening so slowly that you don't necessarily even realize this is happening.
5: Exactly right. And just for people listening, when we say transgender trafficking bills, they're not, this is not like a, we're not being hyperbolic here. These are actual bills. So SB 107 in California, uh, SB uh, 5599 in uh, Minnesota, or excuse me, uh, in uh, Washington State, HF 146 in Minnesota. Uh, New Jersey has it, but they have it by executive order. Colorado has it as well, uh, but they did it on piggybacking on an abortion sanctuary bill. They added to it. I can't remember their number, but they added to it. Uh, Maine, LD uh, 1735, they're looking at it. Uh, they're in committee now to look at it so these are not coming they're here they're literally state sanctioned trafficking so right now no matter where you live you live in florida texas you think you're safe your child can go to one of the states that's already passed it you can't go get them and custody like you said earlier about the if there's a custody dispute if one parent has custody and the other one doesn't have full custody the one that doesn't have full custody can take that child over to one of these states that already has a transgender trafficking bill they will not honor the parent's home state custody agreement. Now, where, where it, where the sex trafficking and the transgender trafficking really merges, besides the similarities on how they get the child there, is that foster system is the most fertile ground for sex trafficking. And every time I say this, it always breaks my heart. I hate mm-hmm. saying this, but when children get trafficked from, from, from foster systems, a lot of people don't miss them. And I hate saying that. It always Uh breaks my heart every time I say it, but that's the truth of it. So now you're going to, you're going to really jack up sex trafficking because these kids that believe they're in a different sex and that they're going to die if they don't get this treatment, we've heard that you're erasing you, you're going to die, kill yourself. They are now going to go to these States and where are they going to put them? Foster care. They're going to put these kids in the foster care while they're waiting for their transgender treatments.
4: Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon.
4: These transgender treatments are, I mean, they're worth a fortune to some of these clinics and these states. We're talking about, we're coming off of a pandemic where we have a lot of these rural communities where the hospitals are closing. They don't have the funding. These surgeries, these treatments, these hormonal treatments, they bring in big money. So you're not just, I think people need to understand, you're not just fighting. A boogeyman who wants to sell your kid on the street. These are medical professionals who have figured out a way to get their next vacation home. Their kids are going to the best colleges while your kid is suffering. I mean, this is some pretty devious stuff that we're talking about that is sanctioned by the government. It is it is crazy. But these surgeries, I mean, I think about my own surgery because I'm a breast cancer survivor and my own surgery was in the tens of thousands of dollars. Right. So you're talking about taking vulnerable kids, which would be a much higher price in some of these cases to try to remove these body parts and create new ones. It is shocking.
5: So the double mastectomies are anywhere between twenty to 30,000, depending on the situation. The genital surgeries are anywhere between sixty to 80,000, depending on where you are. Okay, uh, a, If you get a child on puberty blockers at, a, at the age that they go into puberty, and then they go through the surgery, that's uh, over a million dollars in a lifetime of a lifelong medical patient.
4: This is so sick. I mean, think about these parents that are being manipulated because oftentimes it is one parent that is being manipulated into believing that they either do this or they lose their kid.
5: That's the emotional blackmail, and that starts in the schools. They starts in the schools, and it starts. And so, one of the things we always in, encourage parents, and at the end, I don't want to be just doom and gloom. At the end here, we'll give you tools that parents can actually use to fight back. Uh, and that's what courage as a habit does. We give you tools. Okay. Yes. And resources. Yes.
4: Get to tell tell us that because yeah. that's the important part. That's the
5: important part. So there's a couple of things. And again, everything that I mentioned here, we'll make sure it's in your show notes. Okay. So uh, one of the things that we did that we exposed last year is the American School Counselor Association. Again, those are where the school counselors are trained. So we'll give you links to those resources that shows you in their own words, how ideological captured they are. But at the end of the tool, there's an opt-out form. It's written by our attorney. Every parent can use it to say, my child should not have any formal or informal meetings with any mental health professionals. Hmm. And people forget that the law is not proactive. The law is reactive. So you have to put something in for them to break. Now, I will say that parents across the country has used our opt-out form with great success. Are there some schools that will ignore it? Yes, Some, some schools do. But when they do, now you've got something that they broke, something that they violated. So now you have some course, uh, we, all, we give parents um, this tool so that they can submit it. Uh, we advise you to get more than one, maybe like a group of parents, because when you all submit it, it puts a lot more pressure on them to honor it. If you're just doing the one, they can maybe ignore it. So we give you that tool. That's the first thing, the opt-out form, and we'll give you that. This, uh, the second thing I want every parent to do is to opt your kids out of the surveys. The data mining is the most single, most dangerous thing right now in schools is because they're using the data to continue to manipulate, to say, we need more of these policies. So you can't fight Mm. the data because they're just going to say it's evidence-based. So you have to get your kid out of data mining. And that's something that we're going to put in is called the social emotional learning SEL data, SEL surveys. We give you that opt-out form to opt your child out. That you can do. They can't give your child the, the data mining if you opt them out. So again, parents have used this across the country. The third thing I want you to read is something called Stranger Danger. And we give you four strategies that every parent can modify, depending on your own family values and the age of your child, that you can help your child defend themselves while they're away. You oh, know, wow, when, we're, nice. when, we're, when they're little, what do we tell? When oh, someone grabs you at a store, what do we say? Scream and bite them and say, this is not my mommy, right? It's <laughs> not my daddy. But when they get older, we forget to teach them to defend themselves. Hmm. And so stranger danger is, is that. And then the fourth one, again, we have a ton of tools here, but the fourth one is something we call the safety and inclusion express. The safety and inclusion express gives parents a kind of long game look at how important pronouns are. Most parents get duped into believing pronouns is just about manners. What's the big deal? It's just a name. It's like a nickname, right? It's just like a nickname, but it's not. Uh, The pronouns really is a first step to the medical transition. We don't actually even call it a social transition. The reason why pronouns are so important is that we explain in the safety and inclusion express tool, it gets the child onto that train. And once they get on that train, there's dopamines, hits, and there's love bombing. It's very difficult to get them off of it. So hopefully those tools will help parents start to feel some level of confidence and competence to fight back. And that's how you start developing courage as a habit.
4: So like you said, we'll have the link, but w- just say it here so people know.
5: Uh, well, we'll give you links to these tools. But if you want to visit our entire catalog is courageisahabit.org. That's courageisahabit.org. Um, and, and we have a whole catalog. Everything you see there, it's for, it, it's for you to use. We make it for the average parent. We don't make these tools for people like Tudor or myself that are in it all the time. We make this for the parent that works 50, 60 hours a week. That don't have time to look into this. So we, we try to distill it down to something that every parent can understand. And we give you call to actions. So that's courage is a habit.org uh, is the link to our site. And then our socials is on all, all platforms is at courage habit.
4: And really, when Alvin says that he does all the research for you, he is out there every day. This is what he lives to, to make sure that you have The tools you need to protect your kids. So he's really doing the research. And when I say that, it's getting involved, going to the meetings, getting people on tape, saying what they're really doing behind the scenes. And I just can't thank you enough for what you do, because as a parent, it's something that I'm so desperately looking for. You're right, I don't have the time to do it myself. So when I hear the things that you're doing and working on, I'm always completely impressed with what you've been able to accomplish. And I, I thank you so much for being here today to talk about it. Alvin Louis is the president of Courageous Habit. Check it out. Thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there as always, or check out iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, you can get it there. Join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a great day. Generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash tutor.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics.